Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Today, my co-host, Kizzy Joseph, and I sit down with Sandra Epps. Epps is an artist and author She's also the founder of Sandy's Land LLC and the Detroit Doll Show. The Detroit Doll Show strives to inspire black and brown girls of all ages to love the skin they're in. The charge is to celebrate history, culture, self-love, and diversity with the promotion of dolls of color. It's the largest black doll show of its kind. A survivor of systemic lupus, SLE, a disease where the immune system attacks both the body tissues and organs, Epps uses her story of overcoming as a living testimony that others can choose to overcome any obstacle in life. Her triumph over lupus also inspired her first self-published children's book, Imani Has the Most Exciting Dreams. Her artistry, which ranges from face and body painting to custom designs and textiles, has been enjoyed by art fanatics throughout the metro Detroit area and abroad. Her face painting has grasped the fascination of children and adults alike. Epps also established She's Empowered which was an organization created to encourage women to live healthy in mind, body, and spirit, and to increase lupus awareness. The Women's Empowerment Conference, Butterfly Bash, has been pivotal with providing empowerment from professional speakers, tackling health disparities with black women, intriguing attendees with creative fashions from local designers, and closing out the event with surprise entertainment. Sandra Epps' story has been featured in the media locally and nationally. She has also been recognized for her work to help women to live their best lives on their own terms. Sandra, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you doing these days, particularly in these days when we're socially isolated? For me, uh, it's been um, being conscious of the words that I speak and mm-hmm. what I allow into my in into my ears, uh, what I read. Being as positive as possible. So that's that's what it's all about during this pandemic. Although that's kind of how I live. But I'm um, being really conscious of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Now, you know, um, and let me tell you kids how, how I first became um, inter- introduced to Sandra. Um, I always go to particularly the lupus walk, and there's always mm-hmm. this huge circle of people around her, and you're painting butterflies, and, and the kids, I mean, particularly, I mean, adults are waiting too, but the kids, when you paint that, that their face, they just like light up. Um, how did you get involved in face painting? It's sort of the same thing uh, which you just expressed. Um, me being a lupus survivor, because I almost died from lupus, it attacked my central nervous system, kidney, and heart. Uh, I was confined mm-hmm. to a wheelchair and had to learn how to walk, talk, and eat all over again. Um, mm-hmm. So um, for me, it was kind of one of those things I I, I don't want to say fell into it, but I wanted to, my mission is to basically empower women and girls to love the skin they're mm-hmm. in and always being conscious of the work that I do or wanted to do that would be of, of uplifting. And to see children happy or to make them happy, it was just one of those things that I, um, I started doing because for me, when I couldn't talk, the only thing I could do was doodle and create art. And I, I know what it felt like. At the time, I didn't know it was basically art therapy at the time. But, however, art is so rewarding and it's so fulfilling, whether you're on the receiving end or if you're giving, in, um, giving art in some shape, way, or form, which is um, applying paint to a person. And they just love is relaxing, number one, uh, when you sit out in the chair and get it done, but then to see the finished product, you are totally transformed like a butterfly. Uh, transformation mm-hmm. happens, and people love it, and the kids just love it. So, And, and the feeling mm-hmm. is, is so gratifying. So uh, I kind of stepped into it as an artist, uh, trying it out uh, to see what it was all about and it ended up being a huge part of my business. I'll yeah. tell you, Lupus. The, the annual lupus walk is something that I've been missing. Um, we both know Sharon Harris, and through her I've met a lot of lupus people who have have overcome, and as she says, they thrive. You know, lupus warriors are not quitters. I mean, they are like such strong people. And one of the things that I have found through so many people who I have met is that wanting to give back, not going like, oh, I've got this, it's so horrible, and woe is me. It's like they have an an attack, but then they get out and they come back, and they're giving to the community. And how old were you when you discovered that you had lupus? Um, I was sick between 11 and 12, and and my parents couldn't figure out what was going on with me. And uh, it was finally when I couldn't do my chores, Um, because, you know, when you're a child, sometimes your parents think you're trying to get out of doing your chores, but uh-huh. um, it was you know, at the age of 14, and I could not move. Nothing would move on me but my eyes, and um, I started crying and screaming for my mother, and um, it, that's when it all happened, when they started taking me to all these doctors and finally was diagnosed with lupus at the age of 14. Wow. Wow. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, in terms of what you're saying, and uh, most people that I know, too, just like you, uh, typically if they have survived lupus or cancer or whatever the case may be, most of the people that I connect with, it's all about, I guess, personally, speaking for myself, though, having this opportunity to live, you know, to be given life. And my 
opinion three times. If you count birth four times, I'm mm-hmm. like, I know that there's something that God wants me to do, and I have to make sure my life um, makes a difference. I'm making a difference in some shape or form, and that's giving back to the community. And um, that's kind of how I uh, went and launched the Women's, in, uh, women's um Empowerment Conference Butterfly Bash, um, and then went on to start the Detroit Dial Show, which is the largest black dial show of this time, where we celebrate history, culture, self-love, and diversity with the promotion of black dials, and now doing art parties um, with imagery of women and girls with um, titles such as Let Your Light Shine, Vision, Spread Love, because it's just all about giving back and making sure that people know that they are important, that they matter, and women and girls that they are beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it is such a radical act for black women and girls to love themselves in a society that, you know, time to time tells them that, you know, they're not valuable, that they're not um, human, that their lives don't matter. So your work and, and um, commitment to that is, so inspiring, and as someone who is dedicated to women's self-love and empowerment journey, what was that journey like for you in terms of self-love and empowerment? And and I have to admit, you know, sometimes drastic and devastating things, uh, that's kind of when we find out who we are, in a sense. I can remember... um, in being a teenager and how I felt in terms of people when I began to lose my hair and when I began to bloom up um, to, to nearly 200 pounds and I'm 4'11". I guess I stopped growing when I was in middle mm-hmm. school. So I'm 4'11". I was 4'11 then. And so mm-hmm. I think then when it really hit me, because I, I, I wasn't feeling good about myself, but my mom was telling me that, I, you know, you know, your parents, you're beautiful and, you know, you're, you know, you got to know that you're beautiful and, and so I developed the this thing of liking affirmations and the power that they gave me personally. And as a child, I can remember, you know, going to church and, you know, Bible quotes were the same. They all are forms of affirmation. And that's kind of when it started for me that I liked affirmations because I know how they made me feel because the world would make me feel otherwise when you're getting teased by your peers or people are questioning what it is, what's going on with you, or you look different. And so I turned to affirmations as a child, and that just kind of stayed with me. And then, you know, later on, writing my first children's book, uh, Imani Has the Most Exciting Dream, which actually introduces young readers to what is lupus in addition to the power of affirmation. So affirmations are just wonderful things that we can use at any age, and I use them right now, and I discovered that as a child when I was going through, um, you know, basically loving myself and finding my purpose um, and why this all happened to me as a child being diagnosed with lupus. But, yeah, so I would say it happened around that time, maybe 15, 16, when it, when it was like, oh, i got to do this every day to make me feel mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. repeating affirmations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny that you've done the children's book, but then the dolls. And I know that I remember reading once where you talked about the, and now everyone's talking about the importance of representation. You know, like, oh, you know, Kamala's there and she might be the first one. But you talked about the importance of children having dolls that looked 
like them. And even now yes. you've also written a book. But, you know, and I agree with you, you know, it's like I can remember having blonde dolls, you know, and, and the doll mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. look like me. And that's why I think most of them ended up being bald-headed because their hair wasn't like mine. How did you yes. take that from not only, you know, because I know that you do the doll show, but you take, you've gone into schools with dolls. Why, and, you know, what conversations do you have with children about dolls and with their parents in schools and why it's important to, to have representation? You know, I, I guess because dolls are, when you, children are so, they're, they're very intelligent. But, however, it's easier to have a conversation uh, with a child in terms of having something that looks like them. You know what I'm saying? Because it, they can relate to it. Even, and that's why doll collecting is so huge among um, people of color because just like when we were growing up, we didn't see much of it. But um, going into the schools and, and bringing the dolls and then actually bringing the doll that's in a wheelchair and bringing the doll, you know, that, that has, a, a, has its arm tied up or whatnot. But just it's a way for me to connect with the children and for them to let their guards down because it's a sense of play although it's a sense of play, it's also uh, a form of empowerment to see something that looks like you. And, you know, as children, you know, your first imaginary friend that you may have that you're connecting with is with that dollar that, that you have typically. And that's where you kind of learn self-awareness and, and it's just having a doll that looks like you. Um, so going into the school, that's been the thing for me. I think it's easier for me to connect with the children using the doll because dolls are a plaything. So I, I've gotten on the floor with the children and just kind of, you know, talking with the kids with the dolls. I've done that before, and they open up more um, because you, you are connected. You feel more connected when something looks like you. And how, how did you go about getting into schools? I mean, I know it's – I mean, it's, often, like, I've even talked um, to them about, like, reading is one thing, but how did you – you know, oh, yeah, people want you to come and have a book and read it. But about around the doll, how did you approach school? Well, that's, that's kind of that's what got me in there. Actually, what got me in the door was the books because people would call mm-hmm. me in for career day. I, I've done so many career days. So it would, mm-hmm. like, I, let's be, yeah, it would be career day with the book, of course, but honestly, because people <laughs> love the face painting. So it was kind of like, Luckily, I had the face painting because, you know, sometimes I would do events where folks wouldn't be interested in the doll. I mean, well, I wouldn't say doll. They wouldn't be interested in the books, but they would be interested in the face paint. But that kind of helped me getting to the door, even at the school, because I, people love face painting. I don't know who does not like face painting, but now that we're in this whole COVID season, that's all another situation. But mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. helped me to get into the, <laughs> that helped me get into the door. And I did a lot of career days and then from there it was kinda like one of those things like, Oh, call Sandra Epps. She's she does this and she brings the dolls in and it was just, you know, word of mouth and and it just was the thing that kept going. You know what I'm saying? It just kept going and kept going and kept going and, and that's generally how I got into the school. When you were a little girl did you have lots of dolls? I talked to, I've talked to so many people. I've talked to women who are ministers, and they said how they lined the dolls up and they gave them sermons. And there's been others who were going to be teachers or, you know, these were their friends. Were you that little girl who had lots oh of dolls? My. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. 
Yes. <laughs> I can remember it. Now, see, the thing for me, you see, it's got giggles in me. Yes, I was that little girl. And fortunate for me, because uh, when I was growing up, yes, they, they, I did have a couple of black dolls. And honestly, mm-hmm. I have one doll right now to this day that I had when I was a child. Her name is Judy. I still mm-hmm. have Judy. My sister gave her a perm. And um, uh, she was one of, like, the walking <laughs> She was, like, one of the walker dolls. You would hold her hand and she could walk. So, yes, I was the one that sit the dolls down and I would talk to them. And even when I had pets like a guinea pig, and I will never forget this, I was, um, I was probably – uh, about 11, 11 or 12 maybe, and I can remember being under the, the table having a conversation with this doll, and my mom's friend came over and was like, she's still playing with dolls, and I remember feeling bad about it, and my mother was like, you leave her alone. I want her to stay a child as long as she likes, and if she enjoys playing with her dolls under the table, leave her alone. I remember that. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yes, I was that, I was that girl. <laughs> oh, wow. When you when you say what your mother said um, in response to her friend that you know I want her to be a child as long as she wants, what you know is so amazing about what you do with the Detroit Doll Show and the Sandy's LLC, I to me what comes to mind is this idea of the inner child, and even as we you know grow up as adults, we become so hardened, and I think you know your work really speaks to us as, you know, grown people, grown women still tapping into that inner child, our creativity, our, you know, imagination, what it means to play even as adults. And, you know, it's really interesting how um, the doll show in particular doesn't only attract little girls, but, you know, from what I've seen, you know, the pictures and videos that you've shared, um, parents, Men, boys, uh, can you speak more yeah. about that? I, and I, the reason why it, I, we're coined, and it wasn't that I stated it, we're coined as the largest black doll show in the nation. It wasn't that I stated that. It was the media that attended mm-hmm. our event. And um, it was in 2015, though, um, that we, we got put on the map in terms of being coined that. But that's the thing. We typically doll shows are geared toward adults, but they're 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 white doll shows, and they they may have a sprinkle of a few uh, black dolls, but typically that's what you see. But for the doll show that I host, it's 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 the opportunity to do what you just said. It's, it's to bring out the little kid in you. You are not judged, even when we have a doll lookalike contest, and to have adults show up dressed up as their favorite doll, it gives you that opportunity to just, you know, just be yourself or just be that kid for that day and not be judged. And we all need that. And we all have that in us. And we should allow ourselves that opportunity, whether it's in the house acting silly with your kid or by yourself or whatever the case may be, we all have that kid in us that never dies. And we need to be able to express it. And that's the thing about the Detroit Dial Show. We have men that come and bring their granddaughters. We have, you know, people who come without bringing their kids. I've had people say they don't want the kids to be uh, an interference with them <laughs> playing with the dolls and seeing the dolls. <laughs> I mean, people, women have told me that, okay? It's like, uh-uh, this year I ain't bringing the kids. But it's just, you know, it allows you that opportunity to just 
be the kid that's in you because we all have a kid that's within us. And um, why not just come and have a ball, have fun? And because we just don't have vendors from around the world that um, sell their dolls, we have different activities throughout the day, Um, workshops and um, hands-on dial workshops, of course, and uh, music, dance, uh, the dial box where you can get in and you take pictures and you look like a dial. I mean, and mm-hmm. it's so funny, you know, you will see the adults in front of the children, and I love it, though, because they are so excited to just have a day of being themselves and letting the kid in them come out. Mm-hmm. You know, in the African-American community, and I, we're not going to stand out, so, but, you know, in the African-American community, do you find, you know, are we – we people who have have collected dolls are there big collections that you've been able to tap into oh my goodness i didn't realize until i start doing this show i get chill bumps just thinking about this question here it you would be amazed of the people who buy each okay so because <laughs> i'm excited about this there are so many people, the reborn dolls. So do you know what a reborn doll is? Those are the dolls that look real. Mm-hmm. So it's when I tell you there's a group of over 30,000 African-American, it's our African-American reborn doll group, and it's over 30,000 in this group. It's so many groups that's out there. So you would not know some of these people who actually collect dolls. There's a lot of people who collect dolls that are, uh, I would say, 40 and up. And, and of course, um, younger, you know, crowd uh, collects dolls, like the the uh, Barbie, the recent Barbie dolls. I know you've seen the Rosa Parks just recently, the Maya, Maya Angelou. I just got that one. It was hard to find that one because they kept selling mm-hmm. out of it um, at um, Target. But those dolls are collected by adults. And they are extremely popular, and they only do a certain amount. And if you don't jump on it like these real serious collectors do when they discover these new dolls that are out, you're not going to get it. <laughs> like I said with the wow. Maya Angelou, it took me over a week to try to get that doll. They already didn't even have them online. They didn't have them at Target. It, it was crazy, but I do have two. <laughs> so, yes. Wow. How did you find out? How do you find out when, like, there's this new doll that you want to be sure that you're right there to get a hold of it? See, that's the thing, because it's like, I don't want to say it's an underground world, but it is. It's a, it's like another world that normal people, who, well, they're not really, I mean, well, who the average <laughs> person would not know. <laughs> it's like the Batman cave, you know what I'm saying? It's like you get the signal mm-hmm. because you are in this doll club or you're in this doll family. With me being in this Dow family, you know, I kind of know because we're all connected. And that's the thing is groups of us from all over the world who are connected. And so if there's something that come out, like I didn't even know that there was a um, the um, uh, Maya Angelou Dow that was out. It was actually a person who collects dolls was at the store and saw one in another state, posted it in a group. Everybody went nuts and was trying to find it out. <laughs> so that's kind of how it happens because we are connected in groups, and that's the benefit of being on, uh, having social media. It's such a blessing mm-hmm. uh, to be on social media because you can be connected to these Instagram groups, Facebook groups that keep you abreast on the new stuff. And then with me hosting the show and being connected with Dow artists, you know, they kind of come to me and let me know 
what they even created as well. So it's a blessing. But sometimes, it, you know, some these people go are really, really serious. There are dolls out there. Um, a Byron Lars doll, and you know Byron Lars is a fashion designer. And when he was commissioned by Barbie to do this, um, these different, it went up to twelve. Um, he was commissioned to do these dolls, and now you can't find them. So you have to go on eBay and find these rare collectible black dolls, and it's they're out there, and people are willing to spend five hundred to a thousand for these dolls, or even more at times for these rare black dolls. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I, I can imagine. So what do you say to, you know, when you see mom buys it and you see the little girl wants to play? And, you know, well, sometimes when we're playing with our dolls and we're little, we're a little rough. How do you mm-hmm. talk to mom about balancing, understanding that this is a collectible, but also that you can touch it and play with it, but not so rough? Now, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it depends because you kind of know the difference if you are in the doll world in a sense. First of all, if you see a doll and it says uh, collectible or even with a certain Barbie doll, they'll tell you it's, uh, it's from the inspirational line and it's, you know, however many made on the back. So typically sometimes you will see that on the back of the box. That's why most collectors, what they say you need to do, if you're planning on playing with the doll or opening that particular doll, buy two or more. Like I mm. bought two my mm. dolls because I know one of them going to be open, but the other one is not. And you kind of learn that, you know, you can't learn that when you come to the doll show because, once again, we do a, a gamut of things, so you're there learning from different um, speakers that we have on hand. But, um, yeah, so typically, you know, the, the moms, they'll, they'll know or you'll, if they're into collecting, they will know. But sometimes it's like you just can't help it. You got to open that doll and play with her because if she's so pretty, you just you can't. You got you got to redress them twenty thousand times. You know. Mm-hmm. So how you know? I I know we've got great. I mean, really great pictures, and I love the outfit from the last Detroit doll show, which was in was it in November? And um, but how do you see it going forward? Do you think you'll be able to have that big of an event where people come forward? Are you going to try to do something virtually? How are you going to keep the Detroit Doll Show alive? Oh, it's so um, a great question. Now, 2019, honestly, was the last time we did the Doll Show. We okay. postponed uh-huh. 2020 to 21. See, the, we started off having the Dow show. It was at the International Institute. I then moved to the Charles H. Wright Museum. Then they started charging for parking, so then we moved from there. Then we moved to the hotel, the um, uh, Double Tree Hotel. Then from there, I ended up moving to the Northwest Activity Center. Well, the Northwest Activity Center never opened up to the public period when the first, uh, when the, first pan- when the pandemic hit. So mm-hmm. going forward, um, you know, I, I wanted to stay there at the Northwest Activity Center, but honestly, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, but I'll say this. Mm-hmm. I then launched uh, um, last year because the new plan is to create a black gal museum and a mm-hmm. butterfly garden. So I don't know if mm-hmm. I sent you that information or not, but however, I've raised over $1,000 for the new book, Girlfriend is Time to Soar, um, a portion of the proceeds from that book is being set aside to purchase land, and we have space already. 
and the plan is to get um, shipping containers. And I know you've seen restaurants in shipping containers. Well, the plan mm-hmm. is to get shipping containers. Yes, to have a black dial museum within the shipping containers. And it can be something that won't be just my annual show. We can bring in just one dial artist and feature them for the week or the weekend and kind of uh, go from there. That's that's the plan moving forward. Mm. If, if things never change, which I hope they do, because it's nothing like being there and experiencing all the dial artists at once because it's not happening um, anywhere but in Detroit, Michigan, when I host the show. So that's going moving forward. That's the plan is definitely to do the Black Dial Museum, and um, it will be something that will be opened up to the public every day. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. You know, Thank listen, you. I mean, what you're doing, I mean, not only is it representative of our culture, it's historic, um, and the fact that, Detroit is hosting the biggest one, who supports you? I mean, is this, you know, I, I'm surprised with you since you know like you had, you, you've raised $1,000, but to have this cultural institution here in Detroit, to have this museum, I mean, I think that would be like really incredible. Where do you get your yes. support? At this point in time, it's been one of those things I'll just say God because mm-hmm. there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. Typically just a God. If someone mm-hmm. sees it, people will donate. It's been over the years of the work that I've done, and people trust my brand, and I'm grateful for that because I've been doing um, – I did the Butterfly Bash for like nine years, and then the Dow Show, it would have been nine years last year, so this year would be 10 years. So I think it's the people who trust my brand and trust my work and been following me. And I have a, you know, a, a nice uh, clientele in a sense. So it's those people who invest um, in me and trust that what I'm doing is they, they love the idea and know that no matter what, Sandy's going to make it happen. And no matter what, I'm going to make this happen. How I'm going to make it happen, I don't know. But now I'm in the process of taking a pitch class, just so you'll know, so I can start pitching my ideas and getting funding for my museum. And that's what I'm doing right now as we speak. I, I started the classes, and um, that's the plan, to just start pitching and getting more funding on a larger scale to make this happen, at least this year, uh, purchase that land so we can move forward with the Black Dow Museum. Mm. Well, Sandra, we're going to take a quick break. And then, you know, you talk something that I like. I think a lot of people don't think about branding and how your brand helps make things happen. So we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com.
back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. We're talking to Detroit's creative genius, I would say, Sandra Epps. She's the founder of Sandy's LLC and in the Detroit Doll Show. You are a very, not only creative, but you're thinking like you went from the Butterfly Blast, you now you have a the conference, the Emp- Women's Empowerment Conference. You have, like I said, the Detroit Doll Show. And you said that people know your brand. And when you do that, that get, that's what gets you support. How early in your entrepreneurship did you begin to recognize the importance of a brand and how did you develop it? Oh my goodness, Sandy's Land brand. Uh, it, mm. It's it 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 and it's so ironic that how once again those things that happen to us actually grow us and discovering mm. our best selves. Well, it it all started with that butterfly and me almost dying from lupus, and I incorporated the butterfly into my brand basically from that experience because, as you know, the butterfly rash is what appears on a patient's face when they're experiencing a a flare-up. But it Mm -hmm. also represents transformation, rebirth, hope, prosperity, peace, those uh, positive things. So for me, I wanted to incorporate in my business where I have been, me dealing with lupus and almost dying from lupus and where I'm going because I'm always transforming. And that's the, the big to do or the representation or the meaning of the butterfly. And I wanted to incorporate that into my brand. And so my logo um, has a butterfly in it. And, of course, I would always paint a butterfly on my face when I went out and I painted my, you know, uh, when I went out to work. And people would not even remember my name, but they would always call uh-huh. me the butterfly lady. And, uh-huh. But, however, for me, it was kind of like, I don't want to say I fell into it. It was just kind of my brand was already in me in a sense, and I, was, I fed off of it. And it, it just became who I am. And, my, you know, so when you – right now to this day, I'm not kidding you, even this, this week, I had several people – who saw like a if they see a butterfly mask or a butterfly shirt, anything butterfly related on Facebook? When I tell you people, any I mean people, I don't even know they get to tag me in it because that's how strong my brand is. That people remember me by the butterfly, and but it's important to find that thing in business that sets you apart from everyone else when you're in business and just latch on to it and don't let go, and it just becomes who you are. So when I'm out, I don't have to say anything. It's like, oh, there's the butterfly lady, even without knowing mm-hmm. my, business, my business name is Sandy's mm-hmm. Land. But the brand is the butterfly. So when people see it, they just mm-hmm. automatically call me the butterfly lady. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, definitely whenever you uh, in business, just finding that thing that sets you apart from your competition. Because there's plenty of people who do shows and plenty of people who do events. But, however, I, there's not the person who's doing it with the the butterfly as their brand. And that's what sets me apart from the rest of the people who may do face painting. But still, um, mm. that's, that's kind of how you do it. You separate yourself from people by gravitating or grabbing something that sets you apart from other folk. Mm. I don't that's even so know wonderful. if that was helpful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was very helpful. It's, 
it's so wonderful how you're able to bring people in community. And I'm just, you know, curious, what inspired you to create She's Empowered? And, you know, what are some of the things that you do with that organization? And how long have uh, you been running that organization? Well, and, and, and once again, it all stems back to uh, me and the uh, and lupus. Um, once again, that's my whole entire brand um, besides, of course, the butterfly representing the brand, but in ter- terms of having women to love themselves. The mission is to encourage them to live healthy in mind, body, and spirit, and that's why I established that organization, She's Empowered, um, because uh, there are so many oppositions against us, and women, we are the uh, we make the decisions in the home, and we 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 women wear an S on their chest. Your moms, you go to work, you 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 cook when you go home, you got the husband, you got clean, you go to school. I mean, and sometimes you're doing all of that with four and five kids, you know. So, mm-hmm. and but sometimes we're so busy making sure that everybody else is okay, we sometimes we forget about ourselves and love on ourselves. And so that's the reason why I established that organization, to remind women of how important they are. And although the world don't treat us as valuable as we are, because without us there will be nothing, life comes from uh-huh. us. So, it, you know, so just reminding women of how powerful they are and to take time out to celebrate themselves is very important. And that's basically where that came from. And then, two part of that was to um, basically get the word out about uh, lupus as well. So and that was the reason for establishing She's Empowered. And then from She's Empowered was the Women's Empowerment Conference Butterfly Bash that I hosted. And I would bring in phenomenal women for our fashion show. Every year we would do it. Um, I would have a butterfly-themed fashion show, and I would bring in these mm-hmm. local designers, uh, Stephanie with Stephen Ty, and mm-hmm. um, um, Lynette with Knit So Fabulous, and um, Nanika with Be Fly. She made these um, uh, phenomenal wings. So if you see me in crazy wings and, and crowns and stuff, she makes those things. So I would bring in these women to, have, uh, to finish the show with a phenomenal fashion show and just wow the crowd with all these amazing creative women in their artistry. So made it fun but also empowering. We would bring in doctors and they would talk about fibroids and, you know, just, you know, mm. eating to live and bringing holistic doctors. But it was all about empowering the woman and, and making sure that she knew or reminded her that she was important. So that was the reason for doing it. Do you feel sort of like, I mean, it's funny because I would say women, particularly black women, we, like you said, we've been doing this all along but maybe not been celebrated. And now we have so many, you know, role, I mean, role models that people are seeing in the media and stuff. But um, do you, did you have a moment sometimes where you go, well, at last, you know, they're, they're starting to, <laughs> to see us? <laughs> You've been preaching you know, to this choir? Mm-hmm. I can, you know, when you, because, you know, I follow, uh, like, the um, Black Enterprise um, magazine. And, and so when, when these, you know, I, and I shared on my page, oh, first black woman who has done, opened up this business, the first black woman who is the ophthalmologist for this, first black woman who is now heading this, it's like, I'm, that's when I'm like, what you said. It's like, whoo, 
Yeah, hello, we've mm-hmm. been here, but yes, y'all now recognize. Hello, hello, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. that is that's true. It's like, yeah, we always been here, but now to to recognize us for our worth, which we are the ones that hold this this place together. We are the glue. <laughs> Without us, there will be nothing. <laughs> so yes, but it's good that we are being recognized for our genius, uh, the work that we contribute to this world. Yeah. What has kept you inspired? I mean, uh, besides being, I mean, I know that lupus warriors are strong individuals, but what has kept you inspired to do, not only to do this, to have something that you're branding, that you're building on, but then to continue to to give back to the community? What keeps you inspired? I, you know, I, it's one of those things I go back to, if God spared me three times, Three times I survived death. I have to do something with this life. I cannot waste this life. So I don't want to waste not one day. I want to leave a legacy. I don't have any children. I have lots of godchildren, but I want to show them if I can do it. When I was told what I couldn't do or I would not live, or um, at the time because I was on um, so much medication, they thought it had affected my mind that I would not be able to get I wouldn't be able to finish school. So uh, being told what I couldn't do um, kind of stays in me because I, I kind of want to prove to myself, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. God spares you for a reason. So you've got work to do. Keep going. You can't stop. No, there is no such thing as can't. You got this. Get it mm-hmm. done, Sandy, no matter what. So I think that kind of stays in me and knowing that God spared me for a reason and I cannot waste a day. i got work to do. Mm-hmm. When you when you walk in the room, I mean, you are a force. I mean, because, and, and I'll admit, I was one of the first, like, who's the butterfly woman? And then I kept seeing you and at different events. Then I'd see you on television and all like that. You're four foot, 11. You are such a force. Do you find that, you know, that sometimes when you walk in the room that people are like, wow, you know, who is who is this? And then afterwards, all of that just gets like blown out the window. Like they they forget that you're you might be four foot eleven in height, but you're just you're a giant. Oh, I tell, thank you for that. I mean, mm-hmm. I I don't you know I think when people talk to me, they realize I'm a regular person, and mm-hmm. I and I want to just enjoy you know, and I enjoy dressing up. Like you said, I'll show up with some wings and. Those wings just give me some magical power. <laughs> it's like the, mm-hmm. what I may be afraid to do, but when I put the wings on, it's like, oh, I ain't afraid. I ain't scared. I got my wings on. So mm-hmm. um, it's just people realize how regular I am, but um, those wings give me power. They give me power, but I'm just typically just grateful to be in the presence of others and to share with them my testimony so they'll know if God did it for me, he can do it for you. So that's kind of the gist of it, you know. I mean, we all have a purpose, and uh, even if folks don't believe in God, it's, that's what I believe in, but there is definitely some higher source that has us covered. And um, we, we have a reason for being here, and we all are, have gifts, and we all are powerful because we are made in his image. Mm-hmm. And I think that really speaks to, you know, Sandy. Sandy's Land model, we party with a purpose and bring the fun to you just 
I think your story really shows what it means to live life with such purpose and, and courage and just enjoying the beauty of life. I think it's, you know, especially important for us in these times where people are struggling to just, again, re- remember the things that, you know, the, the small things in life, the things that we're grateful for. Yes. 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 I mean, even to, uh, for the and I didn't realize I had been doing it for that long. Since mm-hmm. 2009, I have been consistently mm-hmm. posting a motivational quote on my Facebook page. There have probably been one or two days, I may, if one, maybe one day, if I missed at all. But typically, I never miss a day. And when I tell you, I didn't realize how much that made an impact on people's lives until I, when someone say to me, and this time last year, it was like Sandy, oh, and I, I actually started copying them. People were like, oh, my goodness, people I did not know were stating and tagging me, this woman right here has helped me to make it through some tough days because this pandemic has been tough and Sandra Epps Polk mm-hmm. has helped me. And that alone just, it just, that, and it's simple. That's just simple. But people really look to, to my page every morning for this motivational quote just to get them through the day. And that means if I've done nothing else, I help to encourage someone to continue their day. And that's the blessing in itself. That means my life is not in vain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I love the titles of your books, particularly the one for um, – Girl Power, Discover the Princess Within. I think that is so cool. I, I really love that. And have you ever heard back from a little girl, I mean, who got the book back in the day, who's maybe a little older now, who was inspired by your book to recognize the power within, or maybe has gone on and started to do her own thing, write her own book, you know, come in to say, look, I made this doubt. Have you ever heard from someone who's been inspired by by your writing? Uh, yes, it. and it's ironic. Even with the Imani Has the Most Exciting Dream, because I wrote that 2005, and that's where, you know, I introduced the young readers to uh, inspirational quotes. When I tell you, yes, I have um, even for, for – uh, these kids who are like <laughs> they are adults or they're in their twenties or twenty one who still remember me and give me hugs, mm. uh, you know, before all this happened, and and will say, "I remember you. You, mm-hmm. I have your book, or I still have your book," and or and they're in college now, or you know, mm. or or they just uh, finishing college, and that alone is so wonderful. But not only that, just was it last year or year before last? If you go on and you try to uh, you search Imani Has the Most Exciting Dream, that book is out there for sale for over $100. So I'm like, who is trying to sell this book for over $100? But, <laughs> but, folks, but folks have actually purchased the book who heard about the book and purchased it, purchased it for like $60, a used book. Mm. That they because they mm. they heard such good things about it because it's about a little it's kind of like my life it's a little girl and um she kind of confides in her dog but she's really afraid um because her mother has lupus and that's what it's about and um but then she you know she talks about the affirmations that her mom um taught her and she say she say them when she's afraid I am beautiful I am beautiful inside and out I, you know so it's 
it's so funny that you would say that, but um, yeah. So even the book out there, and people, you know, think the book is that worthy where they're gonna try to get a hundred and something dollars from it. It's funny to me, but yes, and that brings me so much joy to see these girls, or you know, it's mainly the girls that who remember me, and yes, they proud mm-hmm. of themselves and what they're doing, and, and they're happy to tell me what they're doing or how the book made a difference in their life. And one little girl who her friend was dying from cancer. Uh, the book helped her out. So it's, it's, it's been a blessing uh, writing these books and to hear the feedback or just hear from these uh, um, teenagers or adult girls later on in life. It's been few, a few, but it, uh-huh. it's, when, it, when it happens, it's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. You speak about the power of, you know, affirmations. What would you, what were maybe two other tips or advice you would give to young girls of color who are, you know, struggling with cultivating self-love? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. It is affirmations. There is nothing more powerful than it's like if you feel feeling horrible, you have to trick yourself to feel, to switch that feeling. So it's like, oh, I, I, somebody called you ugly that day or whatever the case may be. You need to go in the mirror and tell yourself at least 50 to 100 times, I am beautiful. 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 Look, you get to saying that enough, you're going to believe it. That's kind of like what they say if you lie and you tell a lie long enough, you'll believe the lies to be true. That's kind of the same thing in a sense. Mm-hmm. You have to repeat what it is that you want from yourself. Even if you don't think it's true, your your job is to say it enough to make you believe that it's true. So, and that's kind of what I did from for myself when I was feeling um, unworthy or felt ugly because I lost my hair um, from lupus and I ballooned up to 200 pounds. I felt horrible, but I had to mm-hmm. trick myself to think, this is a lie. This is a lie that you're telling yourself, Sandy. You are beautiful. What's wrong with you? You know, you have to have a whole full-fledged conversation with yourself. That's what you need to do, but you have to tell yourself the truth, and the truth is you are powerful. You can't, You made in the image of God. You are beautiful. You can do great things, and you said enough. You believe it, and your life will reflect it. Mm-hmm. When you when you got to writing, you know, which I also another another one which you wrote most recently, the girlfriend. It's time to soar. What was uh, the inspiration? Did people come and say, you know, you need to put this all this stuff in a book, or did something happen where you wanted to say to someone, girlfriend, or even yourself, girlfriend, it's time to soar. Yes, all the above what you mentioned. Now here's the thing. <laughs> Because, you know, I've been doing these posts on Facebook for years. Now, I'm going to be really candid with them. I'm going to be honest. For me, it's always been because of, I guess, you know, the lupus thing happened to me when I was a child, and I felt more comfortable working with children. And I'm like, I had these adult women kept saying, well, Sandy, when are you going to write the book? And I'm like, I got two kids books. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I thought that it would just be, oh, I'm going to focus on these children. But the women were kind of like, okay, Sandy, uh, when is the, when is the coming? I'm, I love the post. And I would get people even standing on my Facebook post. I can't wait till the book comes, literally, was saying that. Mm-hmm. And then finally I shouldn't did it. But I said, okay, the book is coming. Folk held me to that. 
it took me mm-hmm. four years to make it happen. Now, mind you, I'm telling people and I'm telling myself, you know, you can't do this. I was like, do I really want to write this book for these adult folks? And finally, it was like, yes, you do, because people want it and they need it. And, but it took me four years to make it happen. And when I tell you I, the, the process was long, and I'm still, the book, is, I'm holding it in my hand right now, just went over the edit again <laughs> from the printers, which they <laughs> cut off some of the pages. But um, it's been a long time coming. But when I tell you we're going to party, us girlfriends, everybody, we're going to party. You know? <laughs> so this has been four years coming, oh my, four years and five illustrators later. When I tell you this was truly mm-hmm. the toughest birthing process because each book is a birthing process for me. But mm-hmm. this has been more labor pain than I care to admit. But when I tell you we're going to party when this baby is here and in folks' hands, we're going to party. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so I, yep, I do plan on having some, uh, just so you'll know, there will be an outdoor book signing uh, for sure. We're going to do some really fun, fun book signings for this book for women. So I mean, I'm looking forward to um, uh, locking in this location, and when I lock in this location, I will be uh, posting it because so what's going We're on now, I'm doing pre-orders. And for those who have purchased the book in advance, they'll have the opportunity to either go virtual and experience this book signing, or they can come to this outdoor place where we will be hosting this um, this book signing. So you all got the inside scoop mm-hmm. that I am actually doing that. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's, or you know, things we're moving in that direction, and um, so we'll be there. <laughs> I look forward to it. I mean, it's going to be, uh, and you know, now, but, but I have a question. Who's going to paint the faces? Because you're going to be signing books. Oh, I know, right? So that's the thing. Is like, I, we, we probably won't paint faces this time. We're just going to be, but we got some other creative things that will be on hand for people to enjoy. And I am so excited, uh, especially to just get out the house, number one, you know, first of all, we're dealing with the laws right about now. So when spring and summer hits, we all going to be going crazy. But, yes, I cannot wait to disclose all the other things that will take place. And some of it, it might just be a secret, and you won't know until you get there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, really, it is like birth in a baby, you know, when you're trying to do that. How hard was it? I mean, because... These these things come from you're inspired by them. They're they're from your core. How hard has it been having them be edited by someone else? And like you said, they cut out some of these things. How hard has it been for you to let go or work with that process? It's hard as double e hockey stick. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I, it's it's just like and once again I haven't had any children but these are my babies but it's been um, and especially when <sighs> they don't get it right like this I was so excited to uh, for this last print through the print company because I'm, I'm I'm basically done so I was you know doing this last print to see what it looked like on thicker um, paper and um, you know because I already went through the process of the correcting the final edits catching the last eras that were in the book. But then to get the book back, the pages are thin. You can see through them. The, the cover is, is, you know, is easy to crease. And the bottom where the numbers are and, the, you know, the bottom part, the footer, on the pages that have the, the title of the book, just, you know, the things that make it look pretty. 
wasn't there, I'm thinking, come on, can this be? And sometimes I think it's just a test <laughs> uh, because typically I forget the saying how it goes. You won't be able to uh, experience the joy of things on the other side until you are uh, willing to deal with the, the difficult challenges that are present in front of you. It doesn't go like that, but it's close to it. So I think I'm being tested for sure. And I'm like, whenever this book is fully finished, it has to be uh, truly a bestseller <laughs> And it has to truly bless a lot of spirits because the the waiting process has been really difficult. And then going back and forth, and now being in a pandemic, you can't get anyone. You're waiting for three and four days just to hear from someone. They don't answer the phone. They're not in the office. So it's been pretty it's been pretty stressful to say the least. It has been. But when you when I get the book in the hand in my hand, just like when you get your baby and all the, you know, the, the groveling for nine months, you can't sleep, you got your heart burn, you know, whatever the case may be, but when that baby arrives, you forget all about the pain. I can't wait to experience that moment. <laughs> uh-huh. So you graduated from Wayne State University with a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and I'm just curious, at that time when you graduated, did you see yourself doing the creative work that you, you're doing now, or did you have a completely different um, image of what your journey would be like? Total different journey. Image was different. I'll say this. Honestly, I was so gun ho with completing my college degree because I am the first one in my family to have a college degree. I, I swear to you, I, I know that played a big part in me being here. And the reason why I say that, because when the doctors were like, uh-uh, she ain't going to, you know, tell my mother I'm not going to make it or whatever the case may be, my thought was always, i got to graduate from college because nobody's in my family done that before. Mm-hmm. I, it's got to be me. So I just wanted to finish school. I didn't know what really was the plan. I, you know, it, because when I did uh, my first uh, classes that I took, I, I was just getting out of a wheelchair. I was still having issues with walking. Uh, that was for the second time I was in a wheelchair. So it was just focused on getting this degree, and I never knew what God had planned. But I think I just trust the process um, mm. as as it unfolded. You know, it, I just trust the process, and I know I'm being led and covered by God, and I'm, I trust and I believe that because, once again, going back to he spared me three times, so it's a reason why I'm here. So I tried to be intuitive and listen to what he says, although I have to say I'm hard-headed sometimes, but who ain't? <laughs> so, but, no, I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be doing what I'm doing now. Um, and, but I'm enjoying every bit of it. Am I rich? No, but I'm rich in favor because people, I, I'm touching lives, and I make people happy. And I love making people happy because it's contagious and it makes me feel good, spreading love. And and then it, it's one of those domino effects. So if you give people joy and just a smile, I'm that type of person, I'm walking down the street, mm-hmm. you walking past me, I'm a speak and I'm a smile. Very, very rare do I not speak. I've I got to be having a whole bad day. But that's a boomerang effect. Because sometimes people are shocked that you're speaking. and But they then will see, oh, there's other people in the world that are truly nice. This crazy lady, I don't know, she was speaking and smiling. Well, let me just go and speak and smile at somebody because she made my day. So, but I never thought that I would be doing what I'm doing now, but I'm enjoying the journey. You know, uh, and listening to I, I often tell people, and I and listening to you, to you talk, it is. It does sound like, like you said, you didn't have 
you haven't had a child, a biological child, but you've got these children, your butterfly children. And although, like you said, you might not be rich, but, you know, you are. I mean, from Mm -hmm. the things that you do, your, your ability to be creative, your joy of life, and your vision, I mean, there's a whole lot of people who probably have a whole lot more money who wish that they were able to tap into into that. Is that something, too, yeah. that you, in your message, particularly with women, because sometimes we'll look and we go like, you know, I don't have anything, but we have so much that we aren't aware of. Is that something that you try to, to put into your affirmations, to put into your presentations with women, to look around you and see the joy and the, and the riches you have that might not have a bunch of zeros after them in the bank account? I, I try to. I even have to do it for me because sometimes I'm like, look at here. I, look, shouldn't I be getting a little bit more something from God? I have to talk to like, look, I, you know, I got this deal that I'm trying to figure out. Can you work with me? But, yes, I try to remind people, and that's, that goes back to my affirmations that I do daily on social media, um, especially during this pandemic. As a matter of fact, uh, and I can't remember what I wrote today, but I did touch on that because I, in the end I remember saying um, that um, – Touch your, you know, we are experiencing trauma from um, the pandemic. We are experiencing the winter blues. We are also experiencing um, many deaths. But mm-hmm. touch your heart. You feel that? Breathe in three times. Mm-hmm. That's a gift. That's a blessing. You got favor. You are here. There are people who did not wake up this morning. That's a gift in itself. I actually posted that this morning on my Facebook page. I saw page. So, that. Yes. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I do, I do try to be mindful of that. And, and sometimes, once again, it's a reminder to me. It's like when I'm over here like, oh, I wish I had this, or I wish I had that car. Or I, you know, it's like uh, you can walk. You still, there's some people who, who, or, who or were in a car accident who can't walk. I mean, so we just. Yes, I do try to practice that personally and then share that with the world because sometimes we get caught up in the material things and we got to go back to the gifts that God has given us. That's life. That's life in itself every day. You've got a chance to do whatever you want if you are able to open those eyes and breathe. And if you can breathe and walk and move and talk, oh, my God, there's not, not enough gold in the world or money to replace that. There are people who do have money, but may be sick and they don't have a cure on how to walk or no cure on cancer and they're dying. So, yes, yeah, I do try to incorporate that into my business. Yeah, I like the one that you had today where you put, like, no, you didn't come this far to only come this far. (laughs) There's greatness in you. Sometimes, you know, it's like, I ain't come this far just to come this far, you know. I mean, that that one is also, you know, pretty – Ah, pretty amazing. Okay, well, we're going to take our second break here. And if you're just joining us, we are talking with Sandra Epps, and she's a Detroit original. And we'll be right back. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. 
You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Today, Kizzy and I are talking with Sandra Epps. She is the founder of the Detroit Doll Show, the founder and CEO of Women's Empowerment Conference, the Butterfly Blash. Um, she's the executive director of Sandy's Land Entertainment. You've probably, if you've been in Detroit, you've probably seen her, but not just in Detroit. I mean, You've had a lot of, of media coverage. Um, has that been a, a surprise to you that, you know, I mean, you're down here doing your thing and like that, but was, has it a surprise when you have people like Tom Joyner and, and the American Black Journal, you received lots of awards, this is coming to you? Because I sense that you do it from, it's out of love, not about the, the awards. Right, right. And so every... And that's the thing. There are people who pay for PR. I do not have a PR person. My PR person is God. <laughs> because all of those people that you mentioned, Black Enterprise, uh, when I tell you when that happens, <gasps> still gets to me today. And, and, and Tom Joyner's show as well, because at first they uh, shared my dial show. I had a friend who called me and was like, Sandy, did you know that you're on Tom Joyner's um, website? I said, what? So each time it has happened, without a PR person, those things happen. And, yes, it was a huge surprise that they thought enough of my little program that it was uh, uh, worthy enough to be placed on their, um, their websites and their magazines or whatever the case may be. And uh, when I tell you those things, it's funny you mentioned those two, those have brought me so much joy, even now, uh, thinking about it. And the one on um, the Black Enterprise, it went viral in a sense. We had got over, oh, how many, how many I think I, I got the number written down somewhere, over 100,000 views of it. And it was like, what? And it was so funny because when they actually showed, when it appeared, it was like maybe a month before the Dow show, less than a month. And I had got all these calls from people all over the world who wanted to come, but they couldn't make their flight arrangements at the last, last minute. So I was hoping that 2020 would have been the year where we just go, you know, it, go to a whole nother level. But thanks to COVID, mm. it didn't happen. But it's all in divine order. God got something else planned. And, it's you know, the last show was phenomenal, too, because we had nearly 50 vendors, and it was truly great. Um, and the Detroit News showed up for that um, and other media that I didn't know about. So, once again, it was God being a blessing and thought that it was a great thing for these people to show up and um, stop at the show and interview people and interview me for the work that I do, and it's always a, a, a pleasant surprise. Mm. When and speaking of media, and speaking of media, you also uh, co-hosted a talk show at WHPR. What was that about? 
Oh, yeah, I did that briefly. I used to work for the Honorable um, Joanne Watson, and I used to be, um, I, had to, I was a producer for her show, and someone had asked me to participate and be on their show with them, to be a co-host. And that's kind of where that came from, and that was like years ago, because uh, I worked for her from 2003 to 2013. And uh, so I can't even think of the name of the show, but they wanted me to be a co-host, and we did that for maybe a couple years. And it was truly a, a wonderful experience, because I have to admit, when I uh, would show that, you know, sometimes you just have to let God lead you. Now, I'm a, I have a degree, okay? I got a degree in art. And by way of going to a meeting, meeting Joanne Watson, she liked my story of me telling her about me surviving lupus and wanted me to come on board to work with her after interviewing me. And the rest is history. And I think from that I learned some things that I then later um, was able to do in terms of doing my first women's income, uh, the Butterfly Bash, and, and hosting the Dial Show because under her leadership and seeing what she had done, to host events, I then learned from that and begin to host my own events. So being led by God, because once again, I'm an artist. There's no way I would have went and got into any politics, and I ended up working mm-hmm. for her for um, for 10 years, yes. Hmm. How did you get come to the attention of the Toledo City Council? Because I see that you got um, – an award from them as as a phenomenal woman award. How did that? I mean, Toledo isn't that far from Detroit, but how did that come about? I was nominated by the Honorable Joanne Watson when she was oh, Detroit City Council member. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was nominated. Yes. So all the awards that I have, I have been nominated by people for the awards, and that was um, I was nominated by her, and that's how I I received that award, and we. Drove on down there, and um, they gave me my award, and we had dinner, and it was a, a wonderful, uh, it was a wonderful experience. It was one of those for me because it was the biggest award for me ever in life, you know, because that was my first major award in a sense, you know. So uh, yeah, she nominated me. Well, that's really wonderful. Yeah. Um, what would you tell a young Sandra Epps? If some young lady came up, could be lupus, could be going through something else, what would you tell her about the longevity of it? You know, this is, what it, why would you do what you want to do? How do you, you plan your life's path? What would be your words of wisdom to a young woman, young girl, actually? Um, never let the world define you. You define who you are. And trust mm-hmm. in God because he will never lead you wrong. It, 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 and that's kind of how I, I live my life. It's, you know, I've always been told, no, you can't. You'll never, you'll never talk again. You'll never walk again. And it's like, no, you can't tell me what I can't do. My God is in control. And you know, you can define who you are. You can't let anyone else tell you who you are or who you can become. It's up to you. If you want it, you can have it. you got to trust and believe it's yours and go get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is it. Go get it. Yeah, that is yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Who has been, if you look back also, who 
what women do you recognize as inspiring to you? As a, um, as a young girl, honestly, I can remember Susan Taylor. I don't know why, uh, and, I, and, and I think the reason Susan Taylor, um, I gravitated to her as a, a, a young woman or a young girl, as a girl, because she had braids in her hair. And mm-hmm. she looked like you, because at the time, you, you know, there was not a lot of imagery that, I, that was on TV that really reflected me, per se, back in the day. You know, you had your good times, what's happening, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But of a positive stature, uh, someone that I could uh, connect with, it started off with her, because I saw her in magazines, and she had braids, and then she came to Detroit a few times, and... Um, Oh, oh, I can't think of the place, uh, Shrine of the Black Madonna, and I met her. Um, and I, I would say Susan Taylor, and then probably the next uh, would be Oprah Winfrey, of course, who, who, who's not inspired by her story. But these were um, black women who defied the odds. And then reading about um, Susan Taylor's story, you know, it, just those women, of course. And then you have your, your tough aunts. And then, you know, then it was the Joanne Watson because to see the things that she had accomplished being a black woman and working for her, she would be the, the other person as well, um, just a strong individual in making an impact in the community. You know, as soon as you said Susan Watson, I, you know, that image of her with the braids, I remember seeing that, and it was like, you know, and here she was, this woman who was taking charge, who was doing things, and she had her hair in braids. I remember that just as clearly the moment that you said that. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, yep, Susan Taylor. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, here she is with braids in her hair and always had braids in her hair. It's like, come on, that's it right there. And she just, mm-hmm. and still to this day, the most powerful image and uh, that reminded me that, oh, it's okay to be who you are. And it's okay to wear braids, you know what I'm saying? Because everybody, you know, was it's still the press and curl, you know. It's still, and I'm not, I'm not knocking press and curl because I do press and curl no. with the perm, and then you know uh-huh. the long curly hair, and I'm not knocking that because we we have the versatility, the capability of we can do braids, twist one day, and we can go straight the next. So I love that about us. Mm-hmm. But it, but she defined it in a sense that it was okay, and you were beautiful to wear your hair and braids, and it's you know, and it's okay. Mm-hmm, definitely. As we come out of this pandemic, whenever that will be soon, I hope, mm-hmm. what do you hope to create and work on? Oh, you see how I exhale. I cannot wait to get out there and do parties. I want to do, I, I want to mm-hmm. connect with people. I'm a husband. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I'm mm-hmm. a hugger so bad. Yeah, I just want to just have a just let go outside and just everybody just hug everybody after they get the shots, the ones who want the shots, whatever. <laughs> just look at people and hug. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, just to see folks out and about, um, and I plan on doing a lot of things this summer outside, like my pillow paint parties and definitely, like I said, the uh, book signing. Um, I plan on doing those things outside, and I'm in the process of connecting with people, and I don't want to mention who some organizations that are, are already in existence who have their spaces um, where I plan on hosting events outside with them. I and mean, I've already started that process because I cannot wait to just be outside this summer um, to see people. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait. That's, 
Mm-hmm. On on the flip side, you know, during this time, what have you been thinking about? What lessons have you gotten out of this time when really we've all been sort of forced to stay home and reset even? Right, right. The things that we thought or I thought that I needed, I didn't really need them. I didn't, I, I didn't need that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think we all kind of get that because it's like, oh, you know, because you can't do all those things or go to those places that you used to go to. But to have healthy food. Now, I'm a vegetarian anyway. I stopped eating meat in 2005 because I was diagnosed then with dyscoid lupus, and I did not want to take any medication because I took medication all my, my childhood and early adulthood. So I stopped eating meat. But then it was that thing of, oh, my goodness, just to be able to have healthy fruits and vegetables at, uh, at my convenience and, you know, you know, to live. And so many people are now thinking about gardens who did not have gardens or even thought about gardens. Now, my mom always grew stuff. But that kind of helped me with even launching my idea to do the Butterfly um, Garden Black Dow Museum. It kind of pushed me because now I have been thinking about this Black Dow Museum, but, you know, never you know, thought about moving on it. But with this pandemic, it pushed me to do that because uh, it's important that we all um, have healthy foods to, to eat, you know, that's, mm-hmm. At your your fingertips, if necessary, out in your backyard or growing herbs in your home. So that's the thing most that stand out. You know, um, those I didn't eat burgers anyway, but I did like to have me a little fried fish sandwich every now and again. But (laughs) but I really didn't need that. But if we eat to live, you definitely need to have you some great fruits and vegetables so you can still maintain a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, mm-hmm. we'll come. Did you have something else to say? Go ahead. No, no. I just, you know, eating to live, you know, the benefits of vegetables, you know, we all need that. That, that, that was just the gist mm-hmm. of that. But mm-hmm. I want to thank you for mm-hmm. this opportunity, though. Well, that's, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, it's been wonderful talking to you. I guess I want to ask, mm-hmm. what's the best? I mean, you're doing a lot. What's the best way for people to stay up on all the things you're doing, or to contact you directly? The best way to stay up on all the things. Um, let's see. You can uh, follow me on social media, but I will say this first: my website. It's uh, Sandy's Land LLC, so it's www.sandyslandllc.com. My website has, you know, the upcoming events, uh, products. I do blogs if you need a little bit of inspiration. I do uh, 10 helpful tips there. But then I'm on Facebook at Sandra F. Also, Detroit Dial Show, uh, Sandy's Land Entertainment or Instagram, uh, same thing, Sandy's Land, or Detroit Dial Show, if you want to find me. Woo. Okay. Yep. Oh, and, you know, yeah, and it's, no, right? No, I'm going to keep us posted. I will, I will uh, post it also. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. sounds good. Sounds good. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
I am definitely excited for you, Sandra, especially about the um, Black Doll Museum because I have a young daughter. She is 16 months old, and she has so far a, a great collection of Black dolls, and I just want her to be able to experience that um, in person, just seeing those Black dolls. And, you know, I just can't wait to see the look in her eyes just saying, you know, Mommy, that doll looks like me. So, Again, I'm excited. I'm wishing you the best, Sandra, and thank you so much for your story, and you are such a phenomenal person, and it's just a lovely conversation. Oh, I thank you. I thank you, Ms. Michelle Brown, for this opportunity. Uh, it's been phenomenal, and I look forward to seeing you in person when we can actually see one another in person. Well, definitely, Sandra. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all that you do. And um, I look forward to seeing you. And like we're going to have to get Sophia's face painted. <laughs> yeah. But not as you Thank you both, okay, so, ladies. I appreciate you. <laughs> okay, Sandra. Well, thank you. And you have a good evening. You. you too. Bye, ladies. Bye-bye. Kizzy and I want to thank our guest, Sandra Epps, for sharing her story and her commitment to helping women to live their best lives on their own terms. Epps's mission is to empower and inspire women and children with her innovative products, programs, and accessories that promote self-love, faith, and creative expression. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook Twitter, and Instagram, and let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when we'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.